I'm Jonathan Lusk, and this is how you sell without selling out. Rogers That. Hi, everybody. I'm Rogers Healy, and welcome to Rogers That, a podcast dedicated to selling without selling out. Ironically, we have someone today that doesn't even sell anything because it's a leasing experience. Actually, maybe he sells he sells fun. He's a fun broker. Uh, Jonathan Lusk has become a dear friend of mine. We met through the world of venture capital. He made me wear this hat today. Um, it fits my head really, really well. But it, it's one of those things in life, right? I think that every once in a while you meet people and you know you're meant to be in the same room. You're meant to be friends. You're meant to work together uh, because you have common goals. You have common interests and you're equally yoked. Uh, I met Jonathan through a friend of mine that I respect dearly. And uh, Jonathan and I met and uh, after a few hours of going back and forth and being goofy, we realized there was something really special with what he was doing with his vision uh, and randomly my background in real estate, it was just kind of the perfect marriage of finding a way to help each other elevate. Uh, Jonathan is the founder of a company called Bird Dog, uh, birddogit.com. New website is going to be out by the time this airs. Uh, but he's found a way to bring experience uh, to the masses through hunting. Uh, I'm not a hunter. If you guys know anything about me, I'm not a guy's guy by any means. The mustache, <laughs> the pearl snaps. Uh, and the truck, it's really just a facade, but I love real estate and I love disruptors and I love people that can bring uh, a layer of fun to stuff that historically maybe doesn't have that kind of personality. And so Jonathan's love for friendships, for relationships, for the Lord, uh, for entertaining, for the outdoors have been the ingredients to a company that is now, uh, taken off. And luckily we were able to be a part of it. And so, uh, Texas A&M graduate, husband, Christian father, uh, friend, and really just all-around stud of a guy. Uh, it's a long intro for a short person named Jonathan Lust. So, Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. This You're welcome. super fun. Yeah. Have a nice day. <laughs> uh, so, let, let's, let's, let's walk us through, let's walk us through um, a little bit of your background, right? Like, yeah. how much do you bench? What do you weigh? What's oh, your 40 man. time? Oh, I'm he not... was bragging this. He was like, I was doing wind sprints on the Katy Trail this morning. Because <laughs> I need to get in shape. Um no, I grew up in a little town called Whitesboro, north of here, about 70 miles, and uh, uh, grew up at, my father's a fish farmer, so a fisheries biologist, so grew up in this agriculture family, poor family, uh, was the second person to go to college, went to A&M, and um, uh, that really changed my life, just the friendships that I created at A&M, uh, met my wife, now wife, um, of uh, almost 16 years. And uh, then I lived in Dallas, here in Dallas for three years, and we moved to Houston um, and ended up going to Rice for business school and then worked at Goldman for a little bit before I started my own investment shop. Um, and the way that Bird Dog came about was, you know, two of my buddies uh, from A&M started this company called Icon. It's a 3D printing company. And so I managed money for them. One of the guys, the CEO, Jason, uh, bought a ranch in Terlingua and was like, Hey Lusk, I need you to like, not just manage my money, but do my taxes and manage my ranch. And I was like, I don't do any of that. That's like way too much work. And, uh, he just said, you know, double my fee. I was like, oh, did I mention that I manage ranches? <laughs> so I was just trying to find the Airbnb for hunting to put his ranch on so we could show some income in his LLC and it doesn't exist. So I went to him and said, Hey, I want to start this. He was like, hey, uh, Taylor Jackson, uh, my best friend's also thinking about creating an app. I was thinking about it from a stewardship perspective, from a landowner. Like, how do we make money on these ranches for these families to offset costs? And then Taylor was thinking about it because uh, he's in the construction business. How can I take my subs out to go hunt? Because it's hard to find places. 95% of the land is privately owned were, in Texas. Were you a hunter before this? No. Whole- no. So I grew up, I mean, I grew up sanding ponds with my dad and delivering fish and 
Um, By the way, fish farmer. That's fish a, farmer. That's a, that's a term that maybe some of y'all have never heard before. Yeah, but. yeah. So uh, anytime someone's got a lake or a pond. So he, does he grow fish? Uh, he usually buys them from somebody else, but he does grow some of the fish. Uh, wow. He does. And then you go stand them out of a pond. Someone's like, hey, I want to go buy, you know, build a big, you know, bass pond. And he would go stock it and, you mm-hmm. know, be a consultant for them. So that's what I grew up doing. But he, we didn't have a tradition of hunting. I mean, I remember I, I shot one deer when I was 13 because he traded fish for the hunt. Um, but honestly, I didn't want to be poor anymore. So I was like, how do you not be poor? It's like, go to Wall Street and do that thing. But about four years ago, I went and visited him at our house in, in Whitesboro. And we were like fishing and like swimming in the pond. We went and bought chickens for the kids. And I just told Kat, I was like, this is what I want to be doing for the rest of my life. So we went and bought a property out in the country. And I just had a list of things that I didn't know how to do that I wanted to do to get back to my roots. So I bought a bow and a bunch of guns and built a pond. And I actually learned, I mean, I, I wasn't even a good fisherman because we did, we never fished. We just worked. And so I was like, I learned how to tie a knot and, mm. you know, start fishing. Because honestly, I wanted my, my family to grow up in this tradition. And I was like, well, if I don't know what I'm doing, how can I teach them? And so it was very therapeutic and just awesome to be to be able to have that place. And then we moved out there full time in 2020 and never looked back. And so bird dog has kind of been an extension of what I want for my life and for my family. And I, and I know the market very, very well from the hunter side. It's a lot of guys like me who have kids who are nine to 15 years old who want to get in hunting, but they really don't know how to do it. It's very hard to access it. And so we do a lot of hunters education where you bring in the kids on the front row and the dads and the moms in the back row because they'll go, you know, I know what I'm doing. You should, especially guys, I know what I'm doing. I'm like, well, no, you don't. And neither do I. So you can kind of just bring down um, that pretty quickly. So they get educated and then we go outside and shoot guns and show the kids how to load them and shoot them. And then, Hey dad, you get up here and learn, you know, and then, and then you, Hey, here's a father son hunt, which has really impacted people's lives. I mean, it's been, five-star ratings on every single one of our hunts and guys are like man this was life-changing for me i didn't know what i was doing now i do and i'm hooked and so that's been and then they're your sales team they just go tell everybody you just have to create the experiences for them that you would want yourself i want to go out of order with questions here because you're talking about stuff again like we're from texas right Mm -hmm. and like we grew up i I grew up shooting guns i was never i I really was never a hunter Mm -hmm. i've still never killed a, a deer um but you, it's a lot of buzzwords that potentially could be controversial, mm-hmm. right? And, and so you found such a, an elegant, eloquent way of dealing with it, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you're raising money for a company a few years ago that's called Bird Dog. Mm-hmm. And one of the first words that comes to mind is guns, yeah, right? And we live in a society where, again, it's just such a scary time, but you mm-hmm. do it with safety first and family bonding. What was the initial way to tell that story? Where you talk about guys like Jason Ballard and Icon Homes that – have an extremely well-established company and it's very well known in the Texas A&M world, which is just a lot of like kind of Texans, right? Yeah. But how do you, how did you initially go and, and pitch the company, you know, with sensitivity and respect at, at the top of mind? Well, the way that I thought about it, I mentioned it earlier, but with 95% of the land being privately owned, you've got, you've got many, 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 many landowners that are in the state who, who have ranches and you only get to go hunting if you, own a ranch or you get invited. You're rarely on your own schedule. There's no like, imagine a world in which there was only private golf clubs and you only got to play golf if you were invited. And so it was like, what if we could create a public tea time system on these private golf courses and then give access to people? And you know, you have some are nicer than others, so they cost more. And you got to choose where you wanted to go and what you wanted to do. 
Um, I think hunting is a, you know, it's, it's a tradition and a lot of, I mean, since antiquity. Um, and so people naturally get it, but they don't understand how to get access to it. And it's, it's actually not even about the hunting. It's about the experience of like, when you get off your phone and you're out in nature and you're with another friend and you can have these conversations, I think about it like this, where in the story that's like really, that I truly believe, and this is how I message it to people is like, remember when you were young and you were with your grandfather, your dad or your mother, grandmother, whatever, and life was so simple. It was before things got so complicated and there are songs about it. I know you're a music guy. It's like there's, there's songs about the good old days or being with like, you can just sense it. You want it. Can I, you want me to sing the Dukes of Hazzard? Yeah, exactly, song? man. Yeah. Or like the Judds flies on the butter. You know, no, Mamaw's making sugar cookies. Yeah. And I'm, you know, there's a hole in the screen porch that you accidentally ran through, and you're going through the sprinklers, and it's a simple time. And it was before things got so complicated. And we always say, remember the good old days. That's what we're trying to capture, and that, it's not what we're trying. We're doing it, capturing that on these ranches where you can sit there and just just take a breath for a moment and yeah. it captivates your heart. And then you come back to work and get in the grind and you're like, I want to go do that again. And from the business standpoint, again, Rice Business School, Goldman Sachs, et cetera, mm-hmm. you have the pedigree to find a way to go and make it recurring. So you found a way too to work again, like that euphoria of escaping, mm-hmm. right? It sucks. And it's a country music song. There's a Florida Georgia line song called simple, right? Yeah. And not that I'm a Florida Georgia line fan, <laughs> Uh, but not that I'm not, but it, it, again, it just makes you realize like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. Right. But the reality of going out and hunting, shooting a gun, fishing, killing an alligator, whatever it is, you got to go back to the grind on a Monday. Right. But if you give them something to look forward to, then you have a different kind of business model, which again, you're, you're doing this, you know, inside out, which I really, really like. So, so you go through this, this version of kind of defining what the company is, you get mm-hmm. the logo, you brand the hell out of it and you start getting people that are using the service. And what was that like realizing your dream was a reality to where what he said too, from my real estate background, I was like, man, this is, and I hate to make the parallel, but it's Airbnb for ranches. And on top mm-hmm. of that too, there's a reason Airbnb and VRBO have not really tried to do this because in their mind it's controversial, right. but it's a different layer of experience, which also invites corporate America, right? It invites bachelor parties, maybe men's Bible studies, women's Bible studies, et cetera. So what was that journey the first few months? Well, it was, it's very challenging because it's a two-sided marketplace. And so you have to have enough ranches and variety that people will come on the website and go, Hey, I want to go hunt ducks or I want to go hunt deer or whatever it is. You have to have variety, but there's no guarantee to these landowners that you're going to give them enough business where they feel like it's worthwhile. So, so the supply side is, is very challenging and actually, I thought it was going to be a lot more challenging than it was. It's actually the, getting the hunters because most our target market are guys that have not historically hunted because we offer a premium service. So you've got to go get the ranches and then you've got to go get the hunters and then, you know, marketing to those hunters going, hey, here are the opportunities that you have. The education's a huge part. Like you said, you want everybody to be safe. You want them to be respectful of the land because that's how we get access to these properties and build trust with the landowners, the first ranch was the hardest. It was like, Hey, you know, like what's your experience in this? I have none, but I understand your issue because from my background at, you know, Goldman and just managing money, I understand trust in the state, understand balance sheet assets. And most of these ranches, if not all of them, unless it's a working cattle ranch, they all lose money. They all have lodges. They've all got guide. They've got guides, game, and usually food. But if they have a website, it's on the eighth page of Google, call for pricing. It's very challenging to do that. The, the, the photos are 20 years old. 
Um, so we said, and I, I read a lot about Airbnb and it was like, you know, what Brian Chesky did was he, he got a professional photographer to go take photos of all the, the houses. And that's, I mean, the sales volume went up. So we hired a professional photographer, took photos of all the ranges, spoke with the biologist, understand what game was available and then understand the pricing and negotiate that first contract in South Texas. And then it was like, okay, I just went to the next one. Hey, we're doing this is what we're doing. How do you even find the people? How do you, again, like so much of what you're doing, what was, what was the statistic about the amount of land in Texas that's privately owned? 95% of the land is privately owned. And that's owned. just in Texas. And I don't know if you know for the world or the United States, I'm sure it's something that's probably pretty similar. There's more private land in the East versus the West. Um, so if you think about Louisiana, Arkansas, you know, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, all those. But if you go West, yeah. it's more public land driven. Um, and so, it, and it draws, you know, a different type of hunter, um, which you've got to understand the market. Like if you try to start this in the West, it'd be very challenging because yeah. there's not a lot of private landowners that's driven by outfitters. Um, and we focus on the landowner because we understand their issue. They want to make 50 to hundred thousand dollars a year these ranches are in a trust. You've got five kids in the trust. One kid loves to hunt. The rest don't. And one kid uses it, but everybody gets capital called for feed bills, property taxes, and insurance. And so they're not trying to make millions of dollars. Like if you can offset our cost by 50 to hundred grand and do it on weekends that we're not using the ranch, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, like we're all in for it. And mm. so that was our pitch to them. And then we just market their ranches and put it on a beautifully designed website and then go hit the market through, different media channels. To, yeah, but to how bring... do you find those people? I mean, obviously there's only one of you, right? You got, you got a great team, but 95% of a massive, massive state yeah. is privately held. You, you build out a, you build out investors on a cap table of people who are ranch owners, hunters, and we get referrals all of the time. I mean, probably one a week. Hmm. And then we go talk to them and we say, Hey, what's going on? Especially right now, where interest rates are where they're at and corporate budgets are, are cut for these types of things. These ranchers are, are the landowners are, Hey, we're not selling as many hunts. We need your help. So actually we've seen like an abundance of opportunities on the landowners and it's all word of mouth. And you go, and I always joke that like the tech bros from, you know, Silicon Valley can't go talk to these guys and say, Hey man, I want to put your ranch on my app. They're like, dude, get off my property. Yeah. It's, it's a deep relationship of trust. And then I don't even have them sign a contract on the on the first one and say hey let's go test it out and see if you like it we'll pay for your photos if you don't like it we won't come back but if you do like we want to continue to serve your family in this way and here's five referrals of people that we work with and mm. so it's um and then we just deliver like mm. we deliver they get paid uh you know we charge a, a premium which that will come down as supply increases you know like we've got all the data to go hey here's the here are the thousand hunts that we sold this past year here's what people care about here's what they don't care about because all of these guys sold a company or built a company they bought the ranch but they don't run the ranches like a business they get they run it you know for joy and fun and family but if we can help them get the data to go hey you know most people want to go hunt you know 150 inch deer they're not going to be spending ten thousand dollars on a on a 200 inch deer hmm. so it's very simple or hey you know, here's how much hay costs in the nearby county. Instead of spending 20 hours on the phone trying to find somebody to do these services, we can make your life easier. And so that's what we've really focused on is what can we do on the, you know, the, the profit and loss statement for these guys on their ranches to help them think like it and be able to explain it to multiple, multiple generations. It's like grandpa 
dad, grandson are all making these family decisions. Which, which I'm sure is really fun. Um, and, but again, from the business standpoint, maybe the obstacle that you faced at the beginning was you're like creating a new language in right. the world of ranching. Right. right. And so to be at the forefront of it is awesome from a business standpoint, from an investment standpoint, but you have to kind of give the same, not spiel, but you have to introduce it to people over and over and over again, where eventually you want them working kind of organically for you. Right. Talk about having like involved, you know, people in the cap table, which hopefully we're one of those people, but you get the ranchers working with each other, you become their golden boy. That's it. Or, or become the gold, the golden calf for the, for the company. Right. And so that's got to be hard too. I mean, again, like most people that have generational family, you're the bad guy no matter what, mm-hmm. right? And then all of a sudden you show them you're doing what you're doing to help them to help you. And then it kind of works from the inside out. And so I, the question I was going to ask is, are there competitors at all? And if so, how could they compete with the approach you guys are taking? The So I would say our biggest competition is, is leases. So, you know. Old, old school. Old school, 10 guys. They pay in 15,000 bucks a year. The ranch is six hours away from Dallas, Houston, San Antonio. You've got to fill feeders. You have a list of animals that you cannot hunt. And so, you know, you go out <laughs> on these properties and you've got to schedule these 10 guys. And you're, you take your son or whatever, your daughter and you go hunt and it's just, you're like, there are a lot of, there's a big list of things that you have to do and things that you can't do. Um, and we're saying, Hey, we've got ranches that are an hour away from Dallas or an hour away from Houston. Come spend that same amount of money on two guided hunts where you've got lodging food. We take care of everything. We've got these kids that are college kids who grew up hunting and fishing and we call them vaqueros and they're concierge on the ranch you guys all need a vaquero everybody needs a vaquero they're awesome no way to describe the importance of a vaquero we did an event and he was able to bring out one of their advisors and texas country music legend pat green to this incredible concert for some investors and the vaqueros were there just it, it was it was awesome and they all you know they all get tips and then they all get job offers and then they go tell their buddies and so we get the best of the best. And so they're, they're out there, you know, helping the chef, you know, clean dishes. They basically just clean, clean sheets and towels. They make the ranch look exactly like it was whenever the, the hunters leave. But while they're there cleaning guns, animals, you know, and the guys love it. The, the, the users, the hunters absolutely love it. So we've thought about that also on the service side for the, for the landowner and the hunter, and it gives them an opportunity to meet all these people. So, um, yeah, that's the that that's kind of what we've done, and and we get all the hard questions like who covers insurance, how does this work, you know, what if this happens, what if this happens. So, I've I've pitched it enough, uh, probably five hundred times, that I've that there's probably not a question that they've asked us that we can't do. So going back to your question about you know competition, I would say leases are probably the biggest thing that we're trying to convince people to do, and a lot of the landowners, you know, would prefer to have guided hunts versus you know leasees on the property because they're on there less and then we can just pack a punch with going hey we're going to bring these 10 folks during this week here's how we're going to do it and you're going to make the same amount of money as you would with somebody on the property all the time because they always say like the landowner's favorite thing to see after hunting season is is the taillights of people leaving the property and so if we can improve that for them and build trust, then they're going to give us more access. And then they go tell their buddies. Yeah. Like, hey, man, you got to use Bird Dog for this. They did a great job. Can I ask you a somewhat invasive question? Of course. Uh, if you were a wild, a wild animal, what would you be? I would be a honey badger. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so with, with the comp- the competition, again, like the I hate to say this, but like the good old boy approach, it, it obviously works, right? Yeah. 
how do you take that to scale where you're based in Texas and mm-hmm. obviously you guys have opportunities to hunt in Africa. Mm-hmm. You've got them in the middle of nowhere, Texas. You've got them in the middle, in the middle of nowhere, North America. But how do you take that approach where I don't know if you have conflict between Goldman Sachs, Rice, Jonathan versus like, you know, Brenham, Texas. I want to be a fish farmer and, and learn how to live off the land, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. What's the happy medium there to take this thing to scale like you're doing? I think I think all of those things put together. I think like the Lord had a plan for my life, or like I'm starting to see it that because I've got both, like it's just it's a it's a it's a really cool deal because I can talk to you know the CEOs of the biggest companies, and I can talk to the guys because I grew up there. And I know exactly. I mean, it's just I can I can relate, I can connect, and I understand. And then I can I, I've got the financial you know acumen or whatever, but also the heart for you can say people. that you're smart it's okay well but i but but i like i, I can like i i just know it so on the scalability what we're seeing is people are coming to us and i'll give you an example there was a guy who emailed us through the website from south africa and he was coming in for dallas safari club he was like hey i want to put my ranch on your website and i was like i'm not ready to go international let's let's nail it here in texas before we do that but you've got a lot of people coming from you know internationally to set up booths at dallas safari club and you've got you know people walking the the stage and talking to different people, and he said, "Well, I want to put our ranch on Bird Dog." So we've got about a thousand people a day that are looking at hunts and booking hunts and things like that. Thousand people a day. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, so he was like, "Hey, what's the deal?" I was like, "Hey, here here's the deal. Send us photos, descriptions. We'll put it on the website. We're going to keep this percentage of every penny spent, and don't ever cut us out of the deal. If you can agree to those terms, you know, then." we'll, we'll crush it. If it doesn't work out, we're going to pull the ranch out there. If you don't like us to pull the ranch, or if you like call our guys directly, we'll pull it. But like, I think this could be a great partnership. We put it up and within two weeks, we had a couple that signed up, Hmm. went to Africa, hunted with them, wrote a review. It's like photos, videos, pricing and ratings, reviews are what we buy everything else on. You go to Amazon, if you go to whatever, like that's how you buy things. But in the hunting industry, it's not like what is now, but once ranch owners see that, they just contact us. I mean, I'm telling you, we get an email once or twice a week of, Hey, I've got a, we're bringing on a 24,000 acre ranch with a bunch of elk in it in Colorado. And we didn't reach out to that guy. He reached out to us and Hey, I've got 20 more tags. I want to put my ranch. I was like, well, we need elk. We need more elk and we Mm -hmm. need more low fence opportunities. You treat people right. It works. Yeah. Just tell the truth. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you something that I'm going to be my version is serious. You, you mentioned something. How old are you? 43? 42. So you're 42. Uh, and, and you spent maybe the first half of your career doing something that prepared you for what you were maybe supposed to be doing, right? right? Uh, and asking for personal reasons too. But how do you maintain balance? We're like, you, you know, you're in Dallas this morning, you don't live here, mm-hmm. your family's in Brenham, and you got to travel a little bit too. Mm-hmm. How do you find that I mean, I don't, I don't think there's such thing as balance when you're an entrepreneur, you cannot mm-hmm. perfect it ever, but mm-hmm. how do you check in and check out, right? Yeah. What, what does that look like knowing that you've kind of been this like pit bull chained to a tree mm-hmm. waiting to be set free and you found it, right? Mm-hmm. Like w- what is that internal potential conflict or, you know, how do you, how do you manage that? I suck at it. I suck at it. Well, it's, it's hard because actually you think that you've got to catch another gear to be great, but actually you've got to get neutral. And I've got a great mentor, uh, Terry Looper, who wrote this uh, wrote this book, um, and um, it's probably the best thing that I've seen on <clears throat> how to think about life and work. Because I was telling him the story about it, and he was like, "Well, I think you're just ahead of the Lord." I go, "What?" 
he goes like, you're doing all these things, but you're not neutral. You're trying to catch another gear. And it's actually when you get neutral and you're happy with either outcome, um, he's got a framework, but like be okay with yes or no. And then like the Lord will basically reveal to you what you're supposed to do. And you think you just got to catch it. He's like, you're going to burn out. He's like, I burned out when I was 37. It's going to happen to you, but that's okay. You know, mm. or you can make a change right now. He's like, there's a correlation between, you know, pain and, and your change. So we eventually get to like so much pain where we're forced to change or you can change now. And so that made a big impact on my life. And so then I operate from first principles and I just think about my family and, you know, I can't, I came from a broken family. And so I think we're really impacted about what is our history and where, where did we come from? And then what do we want to achieve on this earth? And it was like, well, my, my, my marriage and my children are the most important things. And the first year I went on 22 hunts. I mean, I had to be there. I had to understand what the experience was like for the landowner. And I had to experience, you know, see what the experience was like for, for all my hunters and then fix it because, mm-hmm. you know, you've got to be, you have to see it to know it needs to be fixed and then train people to go do it. This year I've built out a team that, you know, I send them to go on the things because I need to spend time with my wife. I need to spend time with my children and I need to like make sure that my family comes first because when you're, when that all works, the rest of it works. And then I'm just free. I operate like with my hands wide open and I wait to see what comes to me. And then I go, I jump on it mm. and go deliver. And th- that's been, that's how I think about it. I, I get up early um, and I work all day, but I love it. The other thing to that point about slowing down is um, I read this great book uh, called the, uh, the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And it talked about taking a Sabbath. And so what I do is I turn my phone off on Saturday nights now, and I don't turn it back on until Monday morning when I get up and I don't need that dopamine hit on a Sunday. I just completely focus on my kids. It's like sleep in, eat breakfast together, go to church, get home, um, take a nap. Cat takes a nap, and then I play like a three or four, you know, hour game of Monopoly or go play basketball with my kids. Hmm. And I'm not going to look at my phone to get a dopamine hit about stuff that doesn't matter. Um, and then we make dinner together, and then like have a great night, and then I go to bed early, and I wake up at like three or four in the morning on you know, Monday and it's, it's right around 35 emails and 35 text messages, nothing urgent or important. And then I just delete like 90% of the emails. Cause they, I mean, it's nothing mm. that I need to be handling and I'm basically caught up in about 30 minutes. And then I have this rhythm in the morning that I do, but that's how I do it. I mean, I, I think about that framework, um, for my life so wow. that I don't get burned out, but it's actually not catching another gear. It's actually getting neutral. You have to slow down if you want to, if you really want to speed up. Dude, that's wisdom right there. That was like the longest nugget yet. They, sorry, this is not going to make it to the podcast, but they, they find like a one little ism throughout of it and throughout. And every time I can always tell that was your nugget. But I feel like you're the first one that actually answered that question. Yeah, no. Like there's no such thing as balance. Yeah, that was really yeah. awesome, man. That was really. Yeah, it's intense. I mean, it's ba- it balances, but you don't focus on balance. You focus on first principles. Yeah, yeah man. Uh, I need to introduce you to my dad. He, he read that. I don't read books, but yeah. he, he read that. I think our pastor talked about it. And it's very good. Yeah. I'm not turning my phone off. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so, um, okay. So, so talk to me about challenges again, whether it's the fact that you're doing something that maybe is not in vogue right now with hunting, right? Like sometimes mm-hmm. people kill animals, right? Mm-hmm. And people don't realize like you kill animals to technically eat the animals and yeah. survive. But w- what's been the biggest challenge you've faced and how have you overcome it? Yeah. The, just the, on the, you know, anytime you take a life of an animal, it's like there's a range of emotions. Like people are always sad 
and then it's exhilarating. One thing that you've seen a trend in hunting in the U.S. is through, uh, you know, Steve Rinala, you know, meat eater, and he's um, public land hunting, and he's really drawn in a lot of people around knowing where your food source comes from. And so these are the this is the healthiest you know animals that you can eat. So actually going to to you know harvest an animal and then fill your freezer with it, you're eating. I mean, it's a lot healthier than you know anything else you could do. And so what he's actually drawn in is a lot of hipsters and people from the city who are like food conscious. And so those folks are turning into you know, big hunters. Hmm. It's very interesting. And so I think it's really amazing just to hear the range of emotions that people have, because it's not just, Hey, I'm big and tough and I do this and all this stuff. It's, it's actually, that's not even true. It's, uh, you know, it is emotional. Hmm. Um, the biggest challenges, you know, this has got nothing to do with like hunting, but it's like people, it's like very challenging to hire people and to find, I mean, I think it's the hardest thing that I do. And it's the most important thing that I do as a CEO. Only thing harder is keeping them. Keeping them. Right. Well, there's some quote that I heard that was like, you know, create an environment where the people who work for you. Richard Branson. Is it Branson? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think about that a lot. Make it where they could leave you anytime they wanted, but make it so good that they never want to. Yeah. And the best people, you want to keep them and you want to make this. But that's that's what I've learned is like hire A players um, and you know, whatever they say is like a players, hire a players and B players, hire C players, but like having to, to hire a players. And when you don't make that, like move quickly, a lot of people say, you know, hire slow, fire fast in a startup. You can't do that. Yeah. You have to hire fast, fire fast. Yeah. I heard a quote that maybe jacked me up forever, or it was the best thing ever. It said, um, a st- or B students work for C students and A students are teachers. And I was like, well, I was a C student when I heard that. Um, yours was a little bit more uh, advanced, um, but yeah, straight C student all the way through. There you go. Um, okay, so so to pretend like I am a potential landowner and you're pitching the services of Bird Dog. What what does that conversation look like? Um, I'm asking a lot of questions. Like, okay, so what are you trying to accomplish with your ranch? What are you doing right now? Who in your family is involved in the operations? Like what I've experienced with previous landowners like you is that, you know, property taxes, feed bills and insurance, you know, they're, they're expensive. It's anywhere from 50 to half a million dollars a year. Like, you know, what are you doing to offset those, those costs? Um, and which of your family members like to use the ranch? Who doesn't? Um, when are you there? Uh, you know, what game do you have? When can we be there? And here's an example from the website of how we would show your property off. Here are some examples of, you know, people that we would bring, you know, we do a lot of corporate hunts, you know, where we bring eight or 10 folks, you know, on a week or weekend where you're not there. Here's what you should expect to make. You know, here's, here's how it works. We've got these vaqueros that'll come on your property. Here's how they serve you here. It just, it just works. Hmm. And they go, okay, well, here's the answer to all these questions. Where do we sign up? And that's, that's usually how it goes. It's, Hmm. it's, and also we have people in our network that are, like prepping them on here's how it works look at the website they know who we are they just want to discuss like terms and timing Mm. and then and how it operates and then how quickly can you onboard our ranch and start marketing these hunts Mm. so that's it's it's very simple um it's a it's a it's a very simple thing so as you've gotten older you start to feel things different right Mm -hmm. and uh your husband and a dad and uh you you turn your phone off on a saturday and Mm -hmm. 
you kind of live life as far as like the feel good part of what you're doing. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't think you are the kind of guy that's going to take a day and be like, I'm so proud of myself <laughs> for real. Right. But I mean, but what does that mean? You're providing experience where you, you don't know the impact and the butterfly effect of a father or, and a, or the mother with a son or a daughter or yeah. friends reuniting, or maybe it's a, a, a Bible retreat. Maybe it's a mm-hmm. bachelor party, a bachelorette party, but all your vision coming to life and, and not that long of a time. I mean, we're talking a few years here and, mm-hmm. and this thing is growing literally worldwide, but do you take a time, do you ever take the time to just go and kind of relish in that and be like, man, this is really cool to see what, what, what's happening. Yeah. So I've got a, a great mentor of mine who uh, just helped me frame exactly what we're doing um, and what is the purpose of bird dog. And it is, you know, it's two things really. Um, like our why is to is to help landowners be better stewards of their property, which helps them steward their family and tell them the truth of here's here's how we can do this and here's what you need to do. And the other side is like deep, like on the on the user side, the hunter side is like deep and abiding friendships and really life change on the ranches. That's why we exist. Those two things. So everything that we do, the what kind of goes to that why. Um, tactically, after a hunt, we'll send out. Um, you know, rating and review. So the landowner, this is very important. The landowner rates the hunter on safety, uh, respect for staff and generosity. Mm. So we want them to tip all the staff really well. We want them to be kind and respectful and we want them to be safe. Mm. And if they don't, then they get kicked off the site. So like, you're not, well, we, we don't, it doesn't really matter who you are. It's like, if you can't accomplish these three things, like you can't do it. And, but if you can, you'll have access to more ranches tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of ranches all over the world. Cause we think this is the way that everyone's going to book hunts in the future. Um, and so, but we, exp- we have a high level, um, expectation of respect. Um, and then we, on the reviews from the hunters, it's been all five star ratings. We ran, I bet we've done about 400 hunters through the process. We launched a website last August. So we're like 14 or 15 months into it. Every one of them is five star rating. And then, um, and then they, they, and the feedback is like, Hey, that impacted my life. Like I got to have a bonding moment with my son that I never would have gotten to have without you guys. And so when you start getting that feedback, it re- you really home in on who am I and what are we all about? Hmm. And it's about life change and we're seeing it. So that's what, that's what motivates me if, is if like, if you can focus on the process, it's like a Nick, a Nick Sabanism is like, if you can focus on the process, like the scoreboard just takes care of itself. Like you'll make revenue and the company will be big and all those things. But like, it's really about those experiences mm. and differentiating yourself and being able to scale that out and, you know, really teach, take, take a service level on these ranches and really flip it in hospitality. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, so that's what we think a lot about is like, how can we make it more hospitable to these hunters? And then how, how can we teach, uh, the, the ranchers who are really good at service? Like, how can we th- get them thinking about hospitality in a way that the hunters want so that when we aren't there and can't be there, cause it, the, the vaqueros are not scalable when you have 200 ranches, but we do a lot of things that don't scale in the spirit of like zero to one. Um, because it just, it just works and you build people who, you know, love you and go tell everybody about you. It's like mm-hmm. this whole idea. You'd rather have a thousand people, you know, who love you than 10,000 who like you. And that's what we're building is, is a deep, like, what if passion. it's just one person that loves you? That's great too. Okay, good. I'm That's great. Sure. <laughs> I feel like you just answered this question, but I got to ask it. I mean, legacy, right? Yeah. Which is such a powerful uh, word. And I think at our age, you got to start thinking about 
you know, what, what happens when you're gone and people start talking about, you know, the life that you lived. And I had a guy on here named Craig Lewis. I'll never forget this. And he said, you die twice in this world hmm. or you die twice. Once is when your body leaves. And the second time is the last time someone says your name. Hmm. I'll never forget that. It was about a year ago in here. And I was just like, oh my God, that's actually, that's, that's crazy to think about. But your legacy in a worldly perspective, hmm. right? You look back um, and you're so proud of all the things you did, but what does that look like to you? So it starts with my father who raised us. He made $30,000 a year, raised six of us. I'm the second person to go to college. He's the first person to ever go to college in our family. Um, and the path that I've taken has been very, very interesting because I didn't, I never wanted to be in the outdoor space. And I just, I equated that with like not having any money. And so it's very interesting coming full circle that I'm now in the outdoor industry. I, was, I, I tell the story about, there's a guy named Charlie Lusk. He's like this really wealthy developer in Houston. And when I was at Goldman, everybody's like, hey, I know your dad, Charlie Lusk, great guy. I was like, that's not my dad. I was like, my dad's Bob Lusk, the Palm Boss. And it's so funny because now I'm in the outdoor space and guys are like, hey, Lusk, is your dad the Palm Boss? Is that no way. Bob Lusk? I go, yeah. I was like, he helped save my fishery back in 1987 and did this. Or 1992, I hired him and we we built these this big lake or whatever it is. And so it brings me a lot of joy to, to get to almost come full circle yeah. in my family. It's no and almost. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's almost as if it was designed. Hmm. And, and by the way, Charlie Lusk, if you're watching, you should, go, <laughs> you should go book a hunt. Take all your friends. Exactly, exactly. So um, I think a lot about legacy because I think about my children. It goes back to why I spend so much time you know, with them, um, so much time with my wife, is because my dad got the ball down the field as far as he could and I'm going to get it down as far as I can. And then, and then my kids have got to take it. And so, but you're, it's not, not just impacting, you know, my family, but the other family set an example because a lot of people watch us mm. and they go, what is this guy doing? You know, like I want to be like him and I, I have people that I want to be like. And I just think about when you think about, you know, the first death, you think about who's going to be at your funeral. And isn't, that, like, isn't that a crazy thing? I mean, it's obviously, it's not that profound, but it kind of is. It's yeah. crazy. You die twice. Yeah. And you, and, you, and you see a lot of people that just fade away, that start strong and then they fade away and it's a marathon. And it's just not, it's just like your life is not just about you. It's about a lot of people who maybe pattern their life out after what you're doing. Hmm. And so you have a, a big and big responsibility, but it's an awesome responsibility because you see all the things you're like, man, I wish the world worked in this way and it doesn't. It's like almost be the change that you want because the legacies, I think, is very important. And then, I mean, it just is. You see things that are broken. You see things that thrive and you go, I want to thrive. And Mm. so what does it take? It takes a lot of work. It's very hard. Yeah, yeah. you you love it. Last question. How do we best support you and how do we go and book a hunt? Maybe I want to book a hunt. Maybe I'm a landowner and I want to use your services. What's Mm -hmm. the process for doing that? So if you want to book a hunt, uh, our website is, um, is birddogit.com. Um, IT, bird dog IT, bird dog, bird dog it. IT. It's like Google it, Venmo me, you know, bird dog it. So if mm. you, if you're like, Hey, I want to list my ranch on a, on the website, bird dog it. If I want to go on a hunt, bird dog it. Mm. And so that's, that, that's where you can find us. And, and, you know, if you're a landowner and you reach out to us, we, you know, we call back immediately, have someone go meet with you, understand your situation walk through the process. And then if you're a hunter, you can, you can just go on the website, you can search by species, price, location, and you can just book it online. It's very simple. And do you then, guys do honey badger hunts? We do not do honey badger hunts. 
<laughs> but I'll find one. Yeah, you'll uh, find one. I'll bird dog it. No, we have a lot of people that'll reach out and say, hey, I want to go hunt this. And if we don't have it, it's a great opportunity for us to go find new ranches that we want to partner with and say, hey, I've got, you know, you know, six guys who want to go hunt Neil Guy. And when you're bringing them revenue, they're like, hey, let's do it. And then they get to experience what it's like to work with us. And they're like, every single time, they're like, hey, let's let's keep doing this, put our ranch on there. So that's how you do it is, is just, just bird dog it. And then with social media, obviously, they can just search bird dog and, and, and your stuff will come up and um, you guys can, can follow along. And, it, and it's really fun. It's fun to watch you guys, you know, just bring a different kind of smile to people. And you've done big mm-hmm. events where I had I had a buddy of mine named Chuck Bryant. He came up to me last week um, at a coffee shop and he's like, man, I got to go do a bird dog hunt for my birthday. And he was just and he was with his wife and she was almost like, we get it. You had the best time of your entire <laughs> life. But but, but it's real. And, and so birddogit.com, find them on social media, uh, reach out, engage. And also for all y'all watching, realize it's okay if you've never hunted before. Yeah. Right. And it's okay if you don't want to shoot an animal. Yeah. You might want to just go shoot a gun. You might just want to be one with nature. Um, but watch this company, watch this company take off. You, you officially started it when? Uh, we came up with the idea uh, January of 2022. We launched the website August of 2022. And so really about 15 months 15 months uh the momentum is insurmountable um i am gonna ask one more question what's what's the end goal with bird dog what what do you see actually happening uh i want to grow it to be the premier place that you go to to book hunts and i'd love to find a partner and sell it one day Hmm. to a big brand um who can scale it and um help us make it huge because i think partnerships are the most important thing you can do i don't have to go at this individually but it's like I think that could be a you know a Bass Pro Shop or you know somebody like that um, who would, who could really believe in it, see it, and, and help us scale it and grow it. Love it to be big. Um, do you think partnerships or friendships are better ships? Uh, I would say friendships. There we go. That's that's how we <laughs> ended. Birddogget.com. Jonathan Lusk, one of the greatest founders uh, we've had the pleasure of working with, and an absolute stud that deserves success. So Birddogget dot com be on the lookout for their billboards too which are taking over texas yeah 